Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 18 for, ah, uh, heck, I don't even know what date it is, the 22nd of February 2009. Uh, t- sorry it's taking me so long to get the last episode up. It's in the works. Hopefully it'll get up, get up tonight and this one maybe tomorrow. But anyway, we've got a full show today. i got lots of stories. And, of course, I am, always, as always, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Hey, things are doing great. It's always great on the weekends. Yeah, it's... I don't know, it's been kind of a boring weekend around here, actually. I mean, I went to the movies today, but... Otherwise, it's just been kind of a... Sit around and... Play on the PlayStation and watch TV kind of a weekend for most of it. Or, at least, for most of the weekend yeah, that I, I had power. had a lazy Sunday... So that's a good change from the weekday. Yeah, yesterday was a real lazy day. It ended up waking up late because had a power outage, so it took out my alarm. And then the, by the time I did wake up, it was mid-morning almost, and power still wasn't on. By the time it came on, missed the recording time. And it just kind of screwed up the whole day for the most part, and it just ended up becoming a lazy day after that. But anyway, I guess we can probably go ahead and get right into the rundown of the stories and get into the show. I don't know if you're one to go and watch the Oscars or not. I know I'm not. Oh, no. It's on tonight? Yep, Oscars is on tonight. It's like that's what seems to be like everybody's twittering about. I almost want to set a filter to filter out everything having to do with the Oscars. As far as I'm concerned, the only... I, I just uh, listened to the summaries uh, the next day, and that's the extent of my uh, Oscars interest. Yeah, I, I've never cared much for the Oscars or really any award show outside of maybe like the Country Music Awards or, or something like that, and that's just to listen to the music more than anything. As far as I'm concerned, when the Oscars are on, or at least in the case of tonight, the only other good thing on is the UFC which, that was pretty good last night. Yeah, I'm not a big fighting fan either. Actually, I just um, pretty much sip everything off my DVR and Hulu. Huh. I I never was a real big fighting fan. I've been a professional wrestling fan all my life, but not until about the past year or so did I ever become a big like UFC mixed martial arts fighting fan. But now it's... Have you seen The Wrestler? Not yet. I really want to, but no one's playing it here, and it's really annoying me. I'm probably going to have to go to Colorado Springs or Denver just to see it, because we never seem to get a lot of the good movies here. It's a decent flick, but uh, a little depressing uh, at the end. Yeah, that's what I hear. I I hear that, especially if you're a big wrestling fan and everything, you'll really appreciate it, so that's part of why I've wanted to go see it because I cause up until probably about two years ago I was a huge wrestling fan then it kind of dropped off now I'm more of a UFC fan trying to get back into wrestling but I don't know I I've I would love to see the movie just because I hear it's a lot more old school than a lot of the wrestling stuff is now and that that's the stuff that I really like so as soon as it I'm probably going to have to end up waiting for it to come out on Netflix before I see it, but I'm certainly hoping to see it sometime in the future. Well, we'll see if the Oscars vindicate Mickey Rourke to see if uh, it is as good as people say. Yeah, I hope so. I don't know, I hear nothing but good things about it for the most part, but I'm sure we'll find out if he gets the best actor thing or whatever it is that he's up for tonight probably in the next hour or two probably but anyway to technology stuff let's go ahead and run down the show all the stories which of course you can follow along with us at globalgeeknews.com you'll find all the show notes there so you can read all the stories find out exactly what it is we're talking about but anyway, the stories are a girl refuses to stop texting texting in class and gets arrested. Are games too expensive? The life of an iPhone app. 
Netflix, Netflix might have streaming-only subscription next year. Sprint has the Palm Pre locked up for a year. New bill would force ISPs to retain user data for two years. Dell files to have netbook stripped of its trademark status. P2P and porn traffic falls while gamers and flash increases. Judge throws out the lawsuit against Google over Street View. On average, kids get cell phones at age 18. Sorry, eight years. And Facebook reverts to its old terms of service. That and much more when we come back on the Global Geek News Podcast. back to the Global Geek News Podcast, and this is, of course, episode 18, and you can follow along on the show notes at globalgeeknews.com, but we'll go ahead and get right into the first story. Apparently, a girl in Wisconsin, a 14-year-old girl, was arrested after refusing to stop sending text messages during class. Apparently, the teacher told her to knock it off. She refused, and when the teacher had enough, the girl stuck the phone between her butt cheeks, the cops showed up and arrested her for, I believe it was disorderly conduct. For this story, I I hear the the slant of the author is saying that that sometimes this is just too much uh, overreacting to someone texting in, in class, but my mom's a teacher and when I read this I had an immediate emotional connection with the teacher because uh, my mom always has problems with students not listening and paying attention, and there's nothing they can do. They're virtually powerless. And um, it, it, it's just kind of sad on how had to go that far that even the security guard couldn't get her to stop texting, and then they had to move it up to the next level, which is law enforcement. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure they should have gone that far. I mean, if the girl wanted to keep texting as long as it's just interfering with what she's doing in class and not the rest of the class I don't think that the cops should have been called she just should have been given detention or whatever let her keep texting and just go on teaching the rest of the class instead of making a whole big scene out of it and sending her to jail with a bail of $298 is there still detention? do they still do that? As far as I know of, I don't. When I was in high school, they called it like in-school exclusion or some kind of weird term like that. But it was essentially it was still detention. Well, I wonder if uh, maybe she was texting with her audio on, so every time she got a reply back. Or um, I wonder what the situation was. Maybe it was during a test or something. Yeah, if it was during something like that, I could see it maybe a little bit more. But when I was in high school, if we were caught doing something like that, and as far as I know, I don't think there was much of anybody dumb enough to actually get caught, but if something like that would happen, they would the teacher would just go tear up the test and say we got a zero and then report us to the school for cheating. That was That would be about the extent of it. Yeah, with the whole no child left behind and all those regulations throughout the country, uh, it's very hard to fail a kid um, because every kid that fails or doesn't go to the next grade, uh, the school loses funding. So there's enormous pressure on the, the teachers to do what you can to educate these kids and get them to pass the standardized, te- standardized testing, whatever that is. And 
I, I think the story is why did the parent uh, let the let the kid text in class? Why wasn't there more discipline at home? I, I think I do think this is a little bit of overreacting, but the the thing is, don't lose sight that the kid did something wrong, and she paid a consequence for it. It might have been a higher consequence than most people expect, but it, it, she shouldn't have been doing it. Yeah, well, and I don't see how exactly that would quite um, qualify as disorderly conduct, but. I, and the charge seems a little bit strange to me. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never been a big fan of, like, the No Child Left Behind Act and stuff. But, I I don't know. I've. The way I've. I don't know. When I was in school, it was more like the people who didn't cheat were kind of in the minority. So, this. Stuff like this was kind of commonplace. I'm not getting arrested, but like texting during class, sharing answers, stuff like that. It was kind of commonplace in my school. And yeah, but when you're caught, you're caught. You don't want to push it. Yeah, yeah. This girl certainly pushed it when she. I'm not sure if you'd really consider it pushing it when she shoved a cell phone down her pants, or if that was, or if you could more consider that away is her finally acknowledging the teacher and stop texting. I don't I don't know how you would necessarily read that. Well, the story starts on how the incident uh, snowballed, basically what initiated it. But then it ends with the conclusion of the story that she got arrested. I bet there's a huge chunk in the middle that we both don't know about. Yeah, I'm guessing because I really don't see that qualifying as something like disorderly conduct, I mean, it, maybe it does, I don't know, but I would say there's got to be something else to this story. But yeah, if From it's... the cops that I know, that it had to have been something that she did to the cops that caused her to get disordered conduct. Not something off the teacher's word or the security guard's word. It had to have been something that went down right there towards the end. Yeah, actually I just realized that there's more than one page. There's actually four pages to the police report, so I'll have to go back and look over all of those because all I saw originally saw was just the first page, which didn't have much of any detail at all. But yeah, I'll, I'll certainly check that out. But which you, if you go through the, I'll probably put the link to the police report in the show notes. But as of right now, I just have it as a Gizmodo story. Then you click through through to the smoking gun, and then down on the bottom you have the police report for those that want to check that out. But anyway, speaking of uh well actually there's no real way to I can't think of a real way to transition <laughs> yeah, to the next story. <laughs> yeah, I I was trying to get there, but I just couldn't come speaking up with Speaking of a... uh expensive bailout. <laughs> yeah. Apparently according to Valve, they're saying that based on some evidence that they have, video games might just be a little bit too expensive. Yeah, I agree with the story. Uh, well, not necessarily that games are too expensive, but there are, there's no variety in the cost structure, really. Games are 50 or 60 bucks. That's about it. Yeah, and the only time there's really any difference is if it's either a small, crappy game or if it's just a game that's been out for an extended period of time. But apparently, uh, the Valve software president, Gabe Newell, and I don't know how many people are familiar with Valve, they're the ones that make the Steam platform for distributing games, they're the ones that make games like Half-Life 2 and stuff like that, but he said that at the annual DICE Summit on Wednesday, that apparently, that I guess they've been doing some sales and stuff on Steam, which I've bought in a number of games through their sales, that it seems to be when they reduce the price on the game, they end up selling more and making more money than what they do when games cost 50 and $60. So they're trying to maybe try and get the other gaming companies to push down the price of their games to actually sell more games. Yeah, it's that sweet spot in, in merchandising when you if you sell it for too cheap get a whole bunch of sales, but not a lot of profit, and if you price it uh, 
uh, out of what the the markets want to handle, then you get very limited sales uh, with high profit. Uh, and finding that sweet spot in the middle where you can get just the right price and get the most maximized amount of sales seems like that's something that's lost, and, it's, and Steam helps provide that by doing variable pricing. Yeah, I've I've been a big fan of the Steam platform for many years, and over the well, it's like the last week or two of last year, or in into the first week of this year, they had where everything was like between was like thirty percent off and up as to where some games were like a dollar, some games were like ten fifteen dollars when they were normally fifty dollars. The store I ended up buying all kinds of, I think I bought like two dozen games or something like that just because they were so cheap and a lot of them were old games and stuff but this is something I've wanted for a long time it's when the new generation of consoles the 360, the PS3 came out and they announced that they were going to jump all the prices up from 50 to 60 That I was quite irritated in that just because we haven't seen those kind of prices since I think the SNES was the last time I really saw those prices to be normal prices. I mean, the Wii, at least their pricing's better. I mean, they're not as good a games. They're, or, well, they may be more fun, but they're not technically as good. The graphics aren't as good and whatnot, so they're $10 cheaper. But even that, I, even that, I think $50 is still a little bit much, and it seems like they're, um, the minute data that Valve has seems to back that claim up. Yeah, I, I, I think it's also a good platform for distributing games. Just be able to download it instead of retail. Yeah. I, I think this is the future, and especially with the verbal pricing. Yeah, that the platform itself is why I love Steam so much. It's very, like, pro-consumer. If you delete the game, or if you lose your hard drive and have to reinstall it and everything. You just re-download the download the game and you're good to go. You don't usually have to worry about CD keys once in a while you do, but they have it all built in so it's real easy and you don't have to worry about scratching discs and they do all kinds of stuff that's just very pro-consumer compared to a lot of the stuff. There's no DRM for most of the stuff, which is great, but one of the things that they used for, um, just as their evidence, last weekend they had Left for Dead, which is a zombie shooter game, for sale for, they cut the price to half to $25, and the discount caused sales to of the game to increase by 3,000%. So I, I think that's, when you see numbers like that, that really shows you just how big of an effect a lower price could have on the gaming industry. Yeah, and hopefully, um, I, I hope this, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but see games only distributed through Steam. I wonder if that could lower production costs and then make the, the games even cheaper down the road and have this be the primary distribution point instead of just a tertiary one. Yeah, I think there are some games that are like Steam exclusives or at least games that you can't buy anywhere outside of Steam. I know there's a lot of older games like Wolfenstein 3D, uh, Commander Keen, just some of the old classics that you can't buy in the store anywhere or as far as I know you can't even download them anywhere else on the internet other than through Steam. And I, I know there's some Steam exclusives anyway, but those are, but especially when it comes to older games, that's the best way to get those unless you can find them on eBay. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's all well and good, and I think that um, that the ultimate thing is hopefully there's a Steam that's going to come out for like the Xbox 360. Uh, I know they already have their own game store, but it would be nice if we can get wider distribution, some of the variable pricing, and all that moved over to the consoles and not just be a PC exclusive. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things with the consoles is they they aren't quite as pro-consumer, so if you lose 
the drive on your console, PS3, Xbox 360, or whatever. I'm not sure about the Xbox 360, but I think with the PS3, you may only get like one extra time to re-download stuff that you've purchased compared to Steam, where it's as many times as you want. They don't care. I think that's really the big difference, and I think that's what's kind of hurting the adoption of the downloading of games and movies and stuff on the consoles is if something happens and I lose it, I don't want to have to pay for it again. I think that if they get that issue fixed, I think then then you'll really start to see the digital downloads on the consoles really start to take off. Yeah, what's taking off is the downloads from Apple's App Store, um, but what's not... Uh, maintaining that rise is the usage of those applications. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when I saw the graphs. That they've In the link in the show notes, it links to a Gizmodo story. Uh, they've got graphs showing like free applications and their usage over time, and paid applications and their usage over time. And it's kind of surprising the curve at which when you first download it, you use it like crazy, then all, then it drops off rather quickly, and and to the point where you don't use it at all. Period. Even for paid apps, which kind of surprises me. I think a part of that is that the consumer of the iPhone. I, I know what uh, all the techie friends that I have have an iPhone, but a lot of the non-techies have iPhones too. And so that boils down to what the primary use of the phone is. Uh, for the techies, they use it for a lot of different things. But for the non-techies, it's it's a phone that they can use other stuff with it when they need to. So I can see how a lot of apps people might download them and then try to use them and like, and then and then really realize that hey, I don't want to do this all the time. That was just uh, something I wanted to check out. And uh, the techies, I can see them saying, I need this application. I do the research, I realize what it does, this does fix this problem, or satisfy this need I have, and then download it. Uh, but for someone who's non-techy, which is a, a vast majority of the iPhone users, uh, might just download something because it looks interesting and realize it doesn't do exactly what they want it to do, and they use it once or twice and then just stop using it. Yeah, that's why I'm a big fan of like demo periods and stuff. That's what I'm really kind of curious to see is how this compares to something like the Androids, Androids Marketplace or future marketplaces like on the WebOS from Palm and stuff. Because they announced just this past week when the Android applications or the Android Marketplace started to accept paid applications that you would have a 24-hour period where you could essentially return a purchased app if you weren't pleased with it. I'm kind of curious to see how that affects it, how many people will actually take advantage of that, and if they return the ones that they don't like, will the ones that they do like, will the usage go up on them instead of be like the iPhone and then just kind of drop off rather quickly? I think the reason why we seeing, we're seeing this spike here, for the iPhone at least, is that the the integrated purchasing interface is that it's easy just to buy an app really quickly and then you have it. Uh, I don't know what the buying experience is on an Android phone or even the webOS for the pre, uh, but if it's easy to buy things, people are just going to buy it whether they want it or not. Yeah, I, I think in, in the end it all comes down to the consumer experience on it. And and how integrated and streamlined that is. Yeah. Well, speaking of streamlined and streaming, apparently Netflix is looking to do some some streaming only subscriptions starting in 2010, or well, actually by late this year or 2010, according to C Netflix CEO Reed Hastings. I I would be interested in this surface, but I think I might actually cancel my DVD service if they were able to uh, pump up their streaming service. They don't have a lot of current content on there now, 
usually the things that I'd like to watch are only DVD, uh, DVD delivered. And if they could get a majority of that content online, I think that this service would be pervasive. I think the experience is great. Uh, people are already used to streaming. And I think people would pay for a premium streaming service if they can get all the content that they want. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to know what the pricing of just a streaming service would be because I would think that streaming would be a whole lot uh, much cheaper method of delivery than actually using snail mail. So I, I and plus you're not dealing with physical discs, worrying about things getting damaged and stuff. So I, I would assume that that uh, lowering of cost would get passed on to consumers. So I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see something like five or ten dollars a month or something like that for something like this. But I, I certainly wouldn't give up my Blu-ray subscription on Netflix for something like this, I know. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they would tear it off because currently streaming is unlimited if you pay for the two discs two at a time service or higher. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if they would tear it and say you can for you know for five bucks a month you can stream ten movies a month or something like that and then for ten bucks a month you would get unlimited. Um, because with devices being sold like the Roku, uh, the, I can see them being more pervasive and in many more devices if it's a subscription only, uh, I'm sorry, streaming only service subscription, if that was available. Yeah, what really makes this interesting is the rumor that was going around last month about um, Netflix possibly doing some streaming content for like HBO and stuff and they were doing a survey looking to see if people would be willing to pay up to $10 a month more to be able to um, stream like content from the premium ch movie channels and stuff like HBO, Stars, and channels like that and Showtime and stuff which I certainly wouldn't pay that much I gripe about having to pay an extra dollar a month for Blu-ray but I'm kinda curious to see if they would lump that in there with something like this, or if that would be an extra fee on top of what you would already have for a, a streaming subscription. Yeah, it'd be nice if they could aggregate all the streaming services that are online, like Hulu and uh, all these other stations that don't participate in the Hulu cabal, and throw an extra dollar a month. I think I would pay an extra dollar a month to get streaming of those services through Hulu without commercials. Yeah, I don't know. I think Hulu's kind of in a world of hurt right now. I don't know how much you've been paying attention to it, but in the past week, they've had their content pulled off of TV.com, as I recall, and yeah, Boxy. Boxy being the big one, mainly because of the content providers don't want it. So, with that not... With Hulu being kind of boxed in as to where... Uh, to how many places they can put their videos, I think that's really going to end up hurting them in the long run. Well, it's all about money. I'm sure that content will be accessible to anybody who wants it if they pay the right price. And with the amount of users that Netflix has and their install base, I don't see it being a problem with charging a dollar for content um, that that's owned by the right holders if they get a bigger chunk of that pie. Yeah. Yeah, it's all that crap having to deal with it. That's why I'm a pirate. Closest thing to legal stuff I do is Netflix. Otherwise, I live on torrent trackers. But anyway, speaking of having stuff locked up, apparently Sprint has the Palm Pre locked up for a year in the U.S., or at least that's the latest rumor. The one thing that I think this is good for Sprint is that people don't really talk about Sprint. I always hear about AT&T in conjunction with the iPhone. People talk about, the, I have good service, I have bad service. I don't hear a lot of people talking about Sprint and their service anymore, except um, a few, you know, several years ago, they always had the reputation of bad customer service. Uh, hopefully this will refocus the discussion over to the quality of service, and that might be a boon for Sprint. Yeah, I think I heard not too long ago that they've they're getting good ratings for customer service now. 
I'm a Nextel customer, which is owned by Sprint. Basically, the only reason I'm on Nextel is for the Direct Connect two-way thing. But I I love Sprint. I, the only issue I have with them is they don't have the coverage that I can get with like Verizon. But as far as like call quality and stuff like that, it, it's a whole lot better than what it was when I used to be on Verizon. But I, I think this is actually a really s- smart move for Sprint just because with as much hype as that there is around the Palm Pre and this new WebOS, this is kind of what they need to stay afloat really because they just released their numbers, what was it, last week or whatever, and they lost another million customers or something like that, and they just keep bleeding customers over to, like, AT&T and stuff, and I, I think that having this as an exclusive through ta- to, at least through 2009 is really what's going to be kind of their saving grace for a little while. Yeah, it seems like this might be the new big thing is that each major wireless provider provider has their flagship device so Sprint's going to have the Pre Verizon has the Blackberry Storm, T-Mobile has the G1 and Apple has the iPhone yeah what, what I'm really wondering is the WebOS is supposed to be on multiple phones in the future not just the Palm Pre so I'm curious if this means that there won't be any other WebOS devices until at least 2010, or if if the, everything is going to be, or if they're going to be on other devices, but they're going to be exclusive to Sprint 2, or exactly how it's working. I think it's going to be development time. I mean, the G1 is a free operating system for any mobile provider who or mobile handset maker who wants to develop for it. So the pre uh, in the webOS is um, that that IP is owned by Palm and even if they released the code today to outside developers I think we would still see another year maybe a year and a half before we see another device use it Uh, because look how how long it's been since we've seen another uh, Android OS on on another cell phone yeah and Android has a whole lot bigger alliance behind it it's got the open handset alliance I'm kind of curious to know if I mean, there haven't been there was no other Palm handsets even talked about at the World Mobile Congress last week so I'm kind of curious to see if this is just if all the carriers are just and handset manufacturers are just kind of a taking kind of taking a wait and see approach to see just how the adoption of this one is before they start making their own phones with it yeah and uh, another thing that I saw from the Mobile World Congress, no one's talking about Symbian anymore. It, it seems like it's it's the redheaded stepchild of the uh, of the mobile handset uh, space. It, you, you hear about all these other OSs that are really cropping up. I wonder um, if Symbian is even scared. If, if they're scared to see what's what's going to happen with them. They, if I remember correctly, they went open source not too long ago, but I haven't heard any advancements there. Yeah, I haven't heard much. I, I know they're it's still the top mobile operating system and losing ground quickly, but I, I don't know. I've got a feeling that maybe they're kind of letting it just kind of go for a little while until they can come out with a new operating system that can compete with the web OS or the iPhone or the Android or anything like that. I think they're just kind of kind of buying themselves a little bit of time with the market share that they have left until they can get something out, which I would assume we'll probably see that next year. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for whenever the pre comes out and if it does really change the game like uh, the iPhone did um, to smartphones. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how everybody else responds because if there is a feature, especially with their with their card OS where they can group and sync data all on one screen I wonder if that will be a game changer and how everyone will scramble to try to integrate those features in their operating systems. Yeah, I, th- I think but right now this is all just kind of a everybody's catching up to Apple and then once everybody's caught up to there, it's then it's just going to be a one-upmanship game between Apple, Android, Windows Mobile, but right now everyone's just trying to play 
catch up to Apple with the new Windows Mobile 6.5 release coming this fall. Um, Android, I think, is pretty much there for the most part anyway. And WebOS is basically kind of Palm's last hurrah if they can't pull something off with it. Yeah. Uh, wait and see, I guess. Wait and see. Yeah. Well, speaking of seeing stuff, apparently the government wants ISPs to retain data for up to two years so they can look at it if they are, so that law enforcement can look at it to fight things like child porn and possibly even copyright violations. This is interesting. I mean, child porn seems to be the thing that everyone wants to put in front of a lawmaker so the lawmaker can't say I voted against child por- uh, against voted against fighting child por- pornography um, but this is more than that this is logs if they said maintain logs of all chor- child pornography that'd be one thing maintaining all logs um, is is extremely sensitive if they wrote in the bill saying uh, we will only peruse these logs for two years as it pertains to child pornography that'd be one thing but I don't think it has that specific provision in there I think this is retain all logs and we can review those logs for any activity regardless if it's related to child pornography or not yeah it seems like child pornography is the big thing where if you want to get a bill passed on the internet just say that you're doing it because of child pornography and then it makes it sound a whole lot better to the people sitting on Capitol Hill. Uh, That seems to be just what you automatically go to if you want something to get passed or you hope that something gets passed. And also there's a huge burden for ISPs to maintain that data. Uh, Two years of logs for everyone on their system is a lot of data that you have to continuously back up, store off-site, uh, buy additional storage for, and I- I'm kind of curious if they state what the penalty is for losing those records or having those records become corrupt. Yeah, I didn't see that. From the sounds of it, the way it's looking is that this is just going to be records for, like, who has what IP address for any given period of time, and every time that changes, you note that in the logs and those are the logs that kind of stick around for a while rather than just kind of keeping copies of all the traffic that you happen to send across the internet I, I that's the way it kind of sounds to me I'm not positive of that but that that's yeah. the way it looks to me the question is do do ISPs at this moment have that level of detail in that data that would even make it useful uh, or will they have to install new software or, or new hardware in order to support this additional tracking? They do. I'm I'm not sure. They have to keep these logs for a certain amount of time, but I'm not sure what it currently is. I think like even Google keeps their logs for six months, I believe. But stuff like this, I know they keep logs on it, but I don't know for how long because that's a large that's a large way for ha- that how like the RIAA sends out their lawsuits and stuff, is they send it to the ISPs, the ISPs look at their logs and say, oh hey, it was this guy here, and then the RIAA files the lawsuit against that guy that was listed in the logs. But when you're trying to fight stuff like this, even logs aren't going to help you because an IP address is not a one-to-one relationship. It's a, it can be, It can be one-to-one, but a lot of times, especially with like wireless access points, it's oftentimes a one-to-many kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it seems like saying you went somewhere also doesn't say that you did anything illegal. Uh, you have to show that they are participating in some way. Were they uh, uploading child pornography? Were they downloading that? And that all sounds like evidence. Logs aren't evidence. They just say you went there and you viewed something or you uploaded something or downloaded something. If they can prove what that something is, then it sounds like you wouldn't necessarily need logs. You would just need that material and show that it was the source of it. I mean, I think this is trying to find an easy way to fix a hard problem. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is you got 
a lot of these people on Capitol Hill that have no clue about computers and have and how they work and everything, and they're trying to fix these issues that they know nothing about other than what lobbyists tell them. I think that's the biggest problem with stuff like this. It doesn't help when you have idiots like yeah. Jack Thompson trying to push through legislation either. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can, um, just like in a court case, how you usually have an expert come in and testify, um, maybe they should start um, when Obama's supposed to have his tech czar or whatever he's called, maybe he can chime in on matters like this and say, hey guys, this is the formal opinion of the tech czar on this bill or some sort of other expert. Yeah. I'm still kind of curious to see who happens to land that job. I, I still think it should be Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah, I think he's busy saving the world. <laughs> yeah, probably. But I still, I think he's probably one of the best guys for the job. Actually, get Linus Torvalds. I think he'd be better. Put him in there. I, I think he would be. Yeah, he'd be excellent for that job. Except yeah. he's not American. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, I don't know. For a position like that, I'm not sure that would matter. I don't. I'm not real sure. I think he should at least be a naturalized citizen. Yeah, well, there's never been a position like this before, so technically they kind of make up their own rules, I would think, and put in whoever they wanted in there. That that would be my guess. I'm not. I'm not real sure. Okay. Well. Well, he would probably need a visa to come and work for the United States government. Yeah. But, and I'm trying to come up with a good transition to the next story, but it's just not coming to me. Mm, let me think, let me think. Um, speaking of logs, no, maybe, no. Yeah, speaking of logs, the Dell wants to remove any history of network of netbook having a trademark yeah that's a good enough transition I guess but I don't have I'm not sure if we've talked about this before or if I've talked just talked about it on the other yeah we've talked about this was it last week or the week before didn't we not yeah, just, yeah we did yeah but with the company that was Sci- vault. yeah that's it yeah with scion apparently having the uh, trademark on the term netbook and they're using any kind of legal power they have to try and get everybody to stop using the term netbook apparently Dell has decided that's enough this is basically kind of a standard term now and it should lose its trademark status yeah this is interesting I I, th- I feel for Scion I think that Scion they were the first to trademark the uh, patent the name, and and trademark it or whatever. Or they have the rights to it. I think they should retain the rights just because the name becomes popular. I don't know if it's right to just re- remove it from from uh, any re- remove the rights because now it's popular and now they think it should belong to everyone. Generally speaking, though, as an open source you know, supporter, I kind of agree with it on that side. So I- I'm kind of torn on this issue. Yeah, I. I don't know, I'd almost like to find a better term than netbook, but for, I don't know, call it the cloud book or something like that. That sounds like a good term, cloud book. But, yeah, I, I'm i certainly, I think I'm behind Dell on this issue. I, I think they're, I don't like the way that Scion's trying to go around saying you can't use this when their product of a netbook or whatever has been dead and gone for years. It's not like they're making any money off of it anyway. Well, maybe this is the way that they can. Um, they're just licensing the name. Um, and, and Dell has enough money to pay for it. Um, so just license the name and we'll be done with this. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, I guess, I don't know, I, I'm all behind Dell on this one, but, I don't know, I just, 
I think Scion just seems to be like a sleazy company to me with the way they're doing this. I, I think if they came across a little bit better with this, I, I, and of just trying to license it instead of saying, take it down, I think then I would probably be a little bit more on their side. But just the way they're doing it. Yeah, they, they haven't really put a public face to their company. All you hear is them in negative light as it pertains to the story. They needed to, you know, really do a PR or marketing uh, tour to change the impression of their name and, and use it as a platform to push some of their current products that they actually sell instead of talking about a, a dead one that has a popular name. Well, until this story even came out, I had never even heard of the company. Rather less the fact the term netbook or that they had a product called a netbook or anything like that. It was... I I had never heard of the company, period. Yeah. Well, as I said, I mean, why don't they just parlay this into something positive instead of rolling into this mud uh, with Dell and all these other companies who want to use it? They should just say, hey, yeah, uh, we own the term Netbook. We also own the name, name Scion, and uh, we also sell innovative products such as blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Just it'll be syndicated on every single website if they just did something like that and tie everything together. Yeah, I don't know. They're either really stupid or, or there's something bigger going on here that I'm not that I just not seeing. But at this point, I would just yeah, say both. they're just yeah. But I guess actually we probably should have lumped this in with the uh, internet log story, but apparently peer-to-peer porn and and other traffic is down compared to games and Flash. Which, this kind of surprised me and it kind of didn't at the same time. Yeah, I think this is just showing how mainstream P2P has become. Uh, I was thinking about this and there are some commercial products that use P2P. And so when you lump that into... Uh, into the stats and I can see how less of it's porn and, and more of it's games like let's talk about Steam uh, or let's talk about video games a lot of game companies use P2P to distribute patches and so I think that will that dilutes the, 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 the field a little bit yeah well and I think the biggest thing about this is there's no in, when you look at the graphs and through the study and everything, there's nothing about North America. This is basically all the rest of the world minus North and South America. So I and I think that if you included them, it really would have changed the way these statistics look. But I think when you when you're just when you're looking a lot at like the Middle East and stuff, it's kind of easy to understand why some of this stuff would be down. Oh, you think people in the Middle East don't want, don't like porn? Is that what it, it is? <laughs> that would be my guess. Okay, well maybe, yeah. Maybe it's less socially acceptable. Um, also, maybe they don't have the pop-ups we do and the, the email spammers that we do here in the United States. I think maybe that's still English-centric. Um, and maybe that content just hasn't spread virally to these other countries. Yeah, I, I've I've never even heard of any peer-to-peer numbers coming out of like the Middle East or just different parts of Europe individually. I've never quite heard of that, so I'm not sure just how accurate these studies are. I'm I don't even remember who even did this this uh, study. Some European company that apparently sells deep packet inspection hardware. I don't know, I just don't trust these figures by any means. Because I saw some not too long ago saying that peer-to-peer was up, but the number of people doing it wasn't growing that much. It was just mainly the people that were doing it were doing it more. So that that right there is kind of why I don't trust this story. Although I certainly can see the games and Flash being up with all the streaming services anymore. I think that's what's really driving the the 
flash and game adoption. Yeah, I think these numbers are interesting, but not significant. Um, I don't think it really tells a tale. I don't think it's accurate, and I don't think it really... There's no interpretation, really, of why these numbers are important. I mean, still, I would say P2P is a minority in all internet traffic, especially in these different countries. So, a breakdown of what those stats are is really unimportant to a person like me, anyway. Yeah, well, peer-to-peer, I think, still accounts for the majority of internet traffic. I, um... Last I heard, I think it was like around 50%. Let's see. Uh, there's part of the story that says in Germany, it's apparently 30% driven down in part by the rise of sh- software sharing, which accounts for 40% of the BitTorrent traffic. Mm. 40% yeah. of the BitTorrent traffic, but uh, I don't know about yeah. overall traffic. I would have to say the amount of data that Google's pushing out, there's no way the P2P is even competing with Google. Mm, yeah, but the way Google pushes out data, it's very small chunks of data compared to what you find on peer-to-peer, which is largely like files that are several hundred megabytes to several gigabytes. Yeah, but that's over a period of time. You're saying small chunks of data, but that's per millisecond. <laughs> As opposed to P2P. Yeah. Well, speaking of Google, apparently a judge has thrown out the lawsuit against Google over their street view. This is... Yeah, some lady just... Or, shit, lady, sorry. That's... um, It it was uh, Aaron and Christine uh, Boring, (laughs) uh, whose content thought that the... View of their street uh, constitute an invasion of privacy. Yeah, apparently they lived on a private road, which the street view car shouldn't have driven on, but they considered that to be a violation of their privacy and said that because of it their property value dropped and all kinds of stuff, which that's just a load of crap. And apparently the judge decided to agree with that. Yeah, how does your property value drop because you have more people looking at it? I would think it would tend to have the opposite reaction. Uh, I agree that a private drive is a private drive. They shouldn't have been filming there. Um, but Google allow, it allows the, has the ability of taking things down through formal complaints, and uh, that should be adequate enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of with what I've heard the judge say on this and that there was nothing in that that would have made their property value drop and that if they wanted to be private that's kind of useless now because with all the attention that this lawsuit's gotten their address and stuff has been plastered all over the place so just by bringing the lawsuit it brought more attention than to them and their property than what Google would have just by driving down their drive and maybe a random person looking at Google Street View and looking down their street. Yeah. I don't know how you could be so elitist that you don't even want a picture of your street put on the web, but um, to each their own. And I I hope uh, that this this says that, you know, I agree that Google says that privacy is non-existent in the public uh, because everywhere you go, you're filmed. But this is just... This is, they didn't go inside their house. They didn't go in their backyard. Um, I don't see what's private about the front of your your house on your street. Yeah. And the, what really I find funny is the fact that they're claiming how much it made their property drop well, gee, if you turn on the news, you see that property is dropping everywhere, and there's no mention of it mm-hmm. being caused by Google Street View. Yeah, uh, Google Street View um, help help lower the, the 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 amount of people who are employed in this country. It's just <laughs> it's it's tying one thing to something that's totally unrelated. And how do they know that their property value 
value drops. Are they trying to sell their house? Yeah, I, I, I don't know how they decided to come up with that. Not to mention, if you didn't have the house completely paid off, wouldn't that be a good thing? Because you could like refinance and get a lower rate then. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. It sounds like more of these people just wanting their 15 minutes of fame more than anything. Yeah, I think they got it. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of wanting something, apparently kids are now wanting cell phones at an early age where apparently children's are seem to get cell phones by age eight. Yeah, I wonder who they have on their cell phone. Is that just communication between the parent and the child? And where is the child that they the the, the parent needs to get a hold of them immediately? Uh, I, I can see how this might help with coordination saying, okay, I'm out front now. Where are you, mommy? Um, pretty much a uh, the call that's always initiated by the kid to the adult or mm -hmm. if uh, a parent travels a lot um, and they want to call daddy anytime they want or mommy anytime they want um, how the kid might use the cell phone as their connection yeah. but at 8 years old, wow yeah I, I think it seems to be more of a in my mind it seems to be more of a security thing being able to contact your kid, they'd be able to contact you, and anymore, a lot of cell phones have GPS in it, so if something does happen to your kid, at least you can track them down a whole lot easier that way. Yeah, I wonder how many of these eight-year-olds have iPhones. I can't imagine that kids would get phones that would be that expensive. I, I, I can see them getting some of the like burners and stuff, but I can't see them getting anything like an iPhone or a Blackberry or anything like that. That would be funny, though. <laughs> yeah. I never know. Maybe next week we'll read about a story. Eight-year-old jailed for emailing on Blackberry during class. Wasn't there a story the other this past week of saying the youngest iPhone developer was, I think, around eight or nine or something like that? I don't know. I may have missed that story. Actually, yeah, I yeah, think kids I do recall that story. Yeah, something like that. I think. So it's just this. This is just saying that technology is moving younger and younger, and we're getting used to it and acclimated to it at a younger, younger age. Yeah, well, I think it's a testament to how cheap a lot of technology's gotten too over the years. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if this is a good sign or a bad sign, but uh, I remember I, growing up, I couldn't even use a calculator until I was around eight or so. Yeah. Well, at least with kids getting these cell phones at a young age, if it, if the phones do cause cancer, we should be able to find that out in the next 50 or 60 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully it was just a... Uh, I wonder if we'll get a growth spurt out of this. Of the, the There's a... You know, a theory saying a lot of the, the hormones in beef is why, why Americans are bigger. I wonder if this hmm. will give our children superpowers <laughs> yeah, in the future. We'll I don't know. I, there's all kinds of weird evidence saying one way or another. I've never honestly believed that cell phones and stuff can give you cancer. But at the same time, as far as... I've always seen pretty much everything can give you cancer. That's one reason why I don't really worry about it, because I figure I'll probably end up with it eventually anyway, no matter what I do. Yeah, everything gives you cancer. But And speaking of cancer, I don't think I can come up with a good transition to the next story. Unless mm. you want to call mm. Facebook's Let's Terms of Service a cancer. Yes, yes, and people hate cancer, and um, it's gone into remission at the moment with with the amount of uproar that people have had over their new terms of service saying, all your content belongs to us. Um, people are, there's, there seems like Facebook is backing off like they always seem to do when there is a large enough uproar. Yeah, the thing is, I actually kind of understood Facebook's point of view after hearing 
Mark Zuckerberg talk about why they made the changes they were and how complicated the issue was. I I think it was just the case of the lawyers going a bit too far in what they said. And I think that's kind of where the problem really was rather than what they were intending to do with the terms of service. Yeah, I think it's like what I said before. I think they just wanted to protect themselves and um, they just used wording that was too broad. Um, they need to refine their wording and resend that out and um, make it a little bit clearer exactly what their intentions are. Uh, I know their intentions are to protect themselves, but uh, to the average user, that is not easily seen. And it's now putting the onus on us to trust them with our content, saying that, oh, we can trust them, they'll do the right thing and not use it for nefarious purposes. Um, but just the, the wording of their 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 toss uh, is just a little disconcerting. Yeah. What cat knocked that off? Stupid cat just hit the play button on my keyboard because it's one of the better gaming Logitech keyboards. It's got some media functions. And started playing Desperado by the Eagles on it for some reason. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, actually what irritates me the most about this whole stupid thing is the fact that basically the PlayStation Network's terms of service are almost I identical and nobody says a word. Yeah, I, it's not it's not overreaching, just like how every OS has a web browser on it, but Microsoft gets yelled at for having Internet Explorer in Windows. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many months ago this was, but I pointed out how just how horrible the new PlayStation Network terms of service was and how basically they're doing the same things that Facebook is doing yet the best I got was a few people agreeing with me on the on a couple of PlayStation message boards and about 2,000 hits on the Global Geek News blog which you can check out at globalgeeknews.com slash blog and that was about it there was a couple other sites that reported on it but really nothing came of it compared to this huge outcry and that and that's what irritates me the most is a lot of these people that are griping about Facebook have a PlayStation network that has basically essentially the same terms of service yet they could care less about the PlayStation network yeah it's not at that critical mass like Facebook is it's not the darling child of the people to share their um, uh, share their pictures their photos and their experiences um, I, I'm happy that Facebook is removing their terms of service, even if it's temporarily. Um, it's a good move to show their intention. Um, but because uh, it started becoming mainstream I, on the local news here, they talked about it. Uh, I, I, it that is scary. Just like when Twitter hit mainstream, um, that's why I, I hear Facebook. I, I feel that Facebook is getting more mainstream about these tech issues like a term of service. People don't, probably don't even read those or understand what those are. Um, but uh, I, I think this is a good PR move, and this is what they should have done just a little bit sooner. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly glad that they changed their terms of service. I understood it the way it was, but it's probably a good thing that they changed it back. I'm just a little bitter over the whole PlayStation thing. So when I got basically no attention yet these terms of service have been in place for like a month or two and no one paid any attention until last week yet I unveiled the changes as soon as they were announced with the PlayStation Network I got no coverage more or less and all I got was banned from GameSpot so Ooh. yeah I'm just a little bitter yeah I can see that <laughs> I would be too yeah that's yeah, suffice to say I cancel my GameSpot subscription and they no longer get my money after that. But they've gone downhill anyway. Was that our last story? That was the last story. We are pretty much done, I suppose. So, I guess if anybody wants to, there's always the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Don't forget to check out the blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or just go to globalgeeknews.com and click on blog. I haven't gotten anything new up last week. I'll try and get a few new posts up this week. I've got several posts in mind. Um, 
Is your voting thing over for how to change the world or whatever? Uh, it's save the world. It's budurl.com yeah. forward slash save the world. Yeah, it's still open. Uh, they extended the, the contest. Um, so uh, haven't got much moving on it. I am not pushing it as much as I used to just to make sure that I don't make people sick. Um, I am going to try to launch my own little marketing campaign hopefully in the next couple days. And uh, my goal is to get the top 25. Uh, I, I There's a huge, huge gap between me and number one now. It seems like it's getting wider and wider every day. Um, but uh, I'll move forward, move on, and we'll see how it goes. I'll keep you guys updated. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I meant to ask you earlier about how that was going, but I wasn't even sure it was still going on. I figured they probably would have ended it by now. No, I actually DM'd them on Twitter, and they said that they launched a contest late, and um, they wanted to get more participants, and so they extended the time and the whole contest, and um, they're trying to get more interest into it. I guess it was a little niche, and um, so I guess I thought I was in good standing because of the the end of the contest was supposed to close. But uh, with the extension and the involvement and the um, I think the Clinton initiative, um, I, th- I think it's it's now not in my favor. Yeah, I'm, I've kind of been surprised how little publicity it's getting. Because if it wasn't for you, I never would have heard of the contest in the first place. Yeah, especially with being involved with Dell, I thought it would definitely get a little bit more play than that. Um, but yeah, not a lot of people picked up. But now it's really starting to to get more attention. Oh, that's good. Um, and if you have any comments or suggestions for the show, stick them in the comments, or you can always drop me a line at pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com. Uh, one thing I want to plug every. Friday night, at least until the end of the series, I do a live blog of Battlestar Galactica on PCNerd37.com. For those that are Battlestar Galactica fans and would like to join, I'm always looking for more people that read. I I think I've been getting close to 100 people per live blog, or somewhere around there. And there's only a couple more episodes left. The finale starts on the 13th and ends on the 20th. So if anybody's interested in checking that out, that's PCNerd37.com. And I can't think of anything else. Can you think of anything else? Um, no, you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> I guess that's it. Uh, it's uh, Wesley83. And I am PCNerd37 on Twitter, or better yet, Follow me on FriendFeed. I don't know why I like FriendFeed more. It's easier to get conversations going on there, and that's kind of where you can find everything I do whenever I post a blog or Twitter or whatever. All that stuff goes straight there, so that's probably the best place to find me. But I guess that'll be it for episode number 18. Thanks for listening. Later.